name. In Jesus' name. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning in the presence of a holy God. We, just, we don't serve just an ordinary God. He's not just uh, one of the gods of the world, but He's the King of kings. Amen. He's the Lord of lords. Amen. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And He's the one that gives joy and peace and healing and deliverance. He's not just an ordinary God. Amen. And our approach to Him shouldn't just be ordinary. Amen. We ought to enter into His gates with thanksgiving. Amen. We ought to have a smile on our face and thankfulness in our hearts. Amen. When we enter into the sanctuary, we ought to have thanksgiving in our hearts and and we ought to praise in His courts. Amen. There ought to be a shout. There ought to be an energy in the place that we would praise Him and begin to thank Him for all that He's done. Because He's not just an ordinary God. Amen. But He saved me from death and hell. He saved me from a life of tragedy and a life of pain and a life of shame. He picked me up, amen, out of this world and he put my feet on a rock to stay. He's not just an ordinary God. Amen. His name is Jesus. Amen. He shall save his people from their sins. Amen. I'm just thankful to be a part of the kingdom today. Hallelujah. Thankful to have an opportunity to know him. God's so good. I believe that that God, even with some of the songs that they sang today, I believe that there is, uh, there's a flow of the Holy Ghost. And I believe that God really wants to speak to us today. And uh, I believe that God speaks all the time. I just don't think we respond all the time. Okay? Because we're we're human. But my prayer today is that you would just respond to the voice of the Lord. Amen? John chapter 20 and verse 1. John chapter 20 and verse 1 says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And Jesus saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they laid him. And Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together. And the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. Interesting how John writes about himself. He's like the the disciple whom Jesus loved. That other disciple. The disciple who outran Peter. He was talking about himself. Verse 5, and he st- Stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. 
Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie and the napkin that was about his head not lying with the linen clothes but wrapped together in a place by itself. And today with the help of the Lord I want to preach to you this message beyond the grave clothes. Beyond the grave clothes. Amen. You can be seated in Jesus' name. In regards to the tomb and the grave, we have this thing that we don't like to talk about. We have, uh, we have death. Um, there was death that was involved with this tomb and this grave and these grave clothes. And, and death, like I mentioned uh, Wednesday night, is something that we never really get used to. We don't really like to talk about death. We don't, it's not something that we like to remember or think about often. Uh, funerals are not uh, necessarily our favorite events that we look forward to. You know, losing loved ones is hard. Death is, is hard to deal with. And none of us in the natural look forward to dying in the natural. Matthew Henry said it like this. He says, nothing is more loathsome than a dead body. He said, it is thrown into the grave as a despised and broken vessel in which there is no pleasure. It is sown in weakness. It is raised to power. It is laid in the earth, a poor, helpless thing, holy in the power of death, deprived of all vital capacities and powers of life and strength. It is utterly unable to move or stir. We don't like death. When something or someone is lifeless, there is a disconnect that we are not really used to. We're not used to seeing it. Death seems to be a very unnatural thing and something we never are really comfortable with. And really the reason for that is, is God Death was never in the beginning intended. But because of sin, we have death. And, and, and in this flesh, we have to deal with it. And, and death is really a separation, is what it is. In the physical, it's a separation of the body and the soul. Right? In this, a spiritual death is when there's a separation between man and God. When we are dead to sin, the Bible says that there is a, separate, a separation between the Christian and sin. So death is really a separation. But I'm here to tell you that we serve and we know a God who is the God of life. Amen. He's the God of the living. He spoke. Amen. And creation happened. He just spoke it into existence. Amen. He breathed and there was life. Amen. He touched and people were healed. You read in the New Testament, he spoke the word and people were miraculously healed of all sorts of infirmities. He is not the God of the dead. Amen. But he is the God of the living today. Amen. I come to church with hope today because we serve a God who is alive and well, and he wants to give life. 
Amen. He wants to give it more abundantly. Amen. We read in Revelations 1 and 18, it says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Our God conquered death when he was on the cross. He conquered hell when he died for us and went to Calvary. Amen. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, when this corruptible shall, shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. He says, death is swallowed up in victory. He says, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thank be to God. Thank the Lord, amen, which give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He conquered death. He's a God of the living and not of the dead. God came to conquer this unnatural death that was never supposed to be from the very beginning. Amen? Are we alive today? Are we well today? You guys know who I'm talking about? It's Jesus. Revelations 3 and 1 records, it says, unto the angel of the church and Sardis, right. He says, these things saith he that hath written, that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He said, I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. An interesting thing, I, I got to look in a little bit about Sardis, and they were thought, they had a reputation of being a lively church. He says, thou hast a name, thou hast a reputation that you're alive. Amen? They were known to be a lively church. They might have had good, good lively music. They, they might have had a fun youth night and exciting Sunday school program. They had a reputation of being lively. But God told them, he says, your works are not pleasing to me. Because you are dead. Because you are dead. And it was written that Sardis, they had a false sense of confidence in themselves. They were overconfident in the, their works and the things that they did on the outside. But there was a separation between the people in that church and God. They were dead. And really, this was a warning to that church that it was time to wake up. And it was a time to say, hey, you do a lot of things on the outside, but you got to be alive on the inside. You can't just serve me with all these external things, but you need to have a deep relationship with me within. He said, you need to go back to the beginning and repent to your first love. And we, we get a lot of instruction as Jesus is talking to these churches in Asia. But he says, on the outside, you have a reputation of being alive. You worship, you jump, you sing good. But you're dead on the inside. And God, this was a warning to that church. We've got to be a people. We've got to be a church that is alive. Not just on the outside, but on the inside. Amen. We've got to be full of the Holy Ghost. 
Amen. We've got to, we've got to tap into the presence of God every single day. We ought to walk in faith. Faith just should be a normal thing that we just live in, that we just expect God to do something. We ought to come to church just expecting there to be a miracle that would happen. I believe that God can do anything in this place today. I believe that he can do any miracle in this place. But we've got to come expecting and believing and having faith. We ought to walk in faith daily. We ought to speak with apostolic authority. We've got to be alive. We ought to be passionate about the things of God. Amen. We ought to desire to be used by God. We ought to be passionate about prayer. Amen? We ought to be passionate, I'll say it again, about prayer. I need a little louder amen. (laughs) It ought to be something that we desire to do. Okay, our flesh doesn't want to do it, but we've got to do it. It's necessary. I don't like to drink water. I really, I don't like the taste of water. But I drink it because it's necessary I have to have water to live. We've got to have prayer to live spiritually. Amen? We ought to be passionate about fasting. I need a louder amen. We ought to, this ought to be something that shouldn't be just something we do every now and then. There's a lot of scripture about fasting. There's a lot of it. Jesus said, when you fast, Jesus fasted. Do you know that before Jesus went on his 40-day fast, that he did no miracles? There was no ministry of Jesus. It started after his fast. Okay? Fasting shouldn't be something that we do every now and then. It should be something that is a part of our walk with God. And we should be passionate about it. It should be something that, I know this is hard to say, it's going to be hard to receive, but that we look forward to. Come on now. When I'm fasting, the one thing I constantly think about in the flesh is papalara's salsa. Like, I'm always just craving chips and salsa. It's one of my favorite things. But when we're fasting, in the flesh we crave this food. But we should desire to fast because there's some things in the spiritual realm that are opened up to us. Amen. We're putting away the things of the flesh. And we're opening up the door for God to speak. The static is clear. We can hear the voice of God. We should look forward to hearing the voice of God in fasting. We should look forward to it to be a time that we would draw closer to God in fasting. We should desire, we should be passionate about it. We should be passionate about his word, studying it, understanding that we were, we were encouraged when Brother Holloway was here to get into the Word. We should be passionate about reaching the world, reaching our neighbors, our friends, our family, telling them about the gospel of Jesus Christ that changes lives. 
We've got to be a church that is alive. Our heartbeat needs to be the kingdom. Our heartbeat. We ought to have the mind of Christ constantly thinking about the kingdom of God. We should live, breathe, and eat the things of the kingdom of God. This is how we're going to be a church that is alive and well. Amen. Proverbs 21 and 16 says, The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. I know that we are just strangers passing through a foreign land. This world is not my home. Amen. We're just passing through. Okay? And we're on our way to an eternity with Jesus. But just because we're strangers and foreigners in a foreign land does not mean that we are wanderers. Okay? We should know where we're at. We should know where we're going. We should understand what lays ahead. Just because we're, we're walking through this world that's not our, as it isn't our destination, we shouldn't be drifting and wandering all over the place because we have a purpose. We have a destiny. There's a place that we're going. If we start wandering and drifting from the things that we know, we will end up, as this proverb says, in the congregation of the dead. You see this path that leads to life, this path that leads to life is narrow. It is straight. It's pretty direct. Amen? And Jesus said, few be there that find it. Few be there that find it. But this narrow and straight path that Jesus was talking about is the path that that leads to life, and that leads to life more abundantly. I believe that the kingdom of God, that the church should be advancing forward. We should, be, we should have a direction. We should, not, we should be leaving things behind and moving forward. If you begin to think about it, there's a lot of advances in our world. There's a lot of technological advances, and it just keeps kind of, um, you know, exponentially growing. Like, our iPhones are just amazing. Like, I, I couldn't even imagine an iPhone, you know, 30, 25 years ago. Like, how would that even be possible? I remember one day thinking to myself, I bet someday they could possibly put a camera on a phone. That'd be kind of convenient. Now, I mean, you can, like, make a movie on your phone. You can, you can be a professional photographer with your phone. People will pay you to take pictures with your iPhone. And we look at all these technological advances that we see. I mean, there's electric cars. I didn't even believe in electric sozzles a few years ago. And now, we're, now there's cars that are electric. We've been to the moon I know some people don't believe that. For all you conspiracy theorists, you can come and talk to me after church. But there's exploration in space and 
Like just the, the idea of being in outer space is pretty amazing. The idea of being, the, be, being able to order your groceries online and they just bring them to your car. Like there's all these things, technological advances that are pretty amazing. But the church also should be advancing. Amen? The church also should be moving forward. And I'm not necessarily talking about new revelation. Okay, but I'm talking about us drawing close to him so that we begin to understand the revelations of God that are, that are there already for us to read, for us to know. And we would know God in a deeper way. We as Christians, as the church, should be advancing in the kingdom of God. We should be drawing closer to him. We should be moving forward. The church ought to be growing. The church ought to be growing maturely. I know the fruit of the Spirit has been on my mind a lot lately. Just I, I've been constantly thinking about bearing the fruit of the Spirit and, and really just maturing as a Christian. That should be part of our DNA. That we would draw close to him. That we would daily just deny, deny the flesh and walk closer with God. I want to know him more. I want to advance in the kingdom of God. God is the God of the living. Amen. We read in John chapter 11, if you could follow along with me if you would, read the story of, of Lazarus. It says, now a certain man was sick and his name was Lazarus. He was of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It says, it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with an ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. It says, therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And Jesus heard that, and he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 6, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, it says that he abode two days still in the same place where he was. So here we have a, a, a circumstance where Mary and Martha, they, they sent a message to Jesus to tell him about their brother, that he was sick and he was looking like he was going to die. And of course, we, we read that Jesus considered this family to be friends and had a close relationship with them. And, and Jesus proclaimed that this sickness was not unto death. Jesus spoke it. And after hearing this, Jesus, after hearing this report about Lazarus, Jesus told his disciples that they were going, going to go back to Judea. They were going to go back to Bethany, because this is where Lazarus was. And, and the disciples were confused on why they would go back under these circumstances. And Jesus explained to them, and in verse 14, he says, Then Jesus said unto them, to the disciples, he said, plainly, he said, Lazarus is dead. In verse 17, it says, Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. 
Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. And then Mary, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. And then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. In verse 22, it says, But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Amen. He says, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. He says, do you believe me? Do you believe this, Mary? you believe this, Martha? In verse 32, it says, then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And verse 35 says, Jesus wept. And then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind and have caused even this man should not have died. And Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha the sister of him that was dead saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead for four days. And Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou would, wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they take away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus. Come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. Interesting story. It's interesting that Jesus confirmed to Mary and Martha twice that he was going to live. Both of the sisters made the claim that, Jesus, if you would have been here in time, my brother would have lived. Jesus, if you would have been here just four days earlier, my brother could have lived. It's interesting, they had faith that Jesus could keep him alive. But they didn't have faith that Jesus could raise him from the dead. And I'm here to tell you that, you know, your situation today isn't too far gone for God. Okay? Whatever it is, it's not too far gone 
for God. I believe in the sustaining power of God. Okay, I believe that he gives us what we need. He gives us what we need in our time of trouble. He gives us the strength we need to endure. I believe in the sustaining supernatural power of God. But I also believe in the redeeming power of God. Amen. I believe that he can speak life into something that is already dead. And he can make it new and he can make it alive again. Despite the promises of God, Mary and Martha were led to believe that death would reign in their situation. And this is uh, kind of what I'm, what I'm talking about today. That we can get in a mindset of, of not really believing God and thinking that if he would have done things differently, things would be different now. Oh God, if you would have been here when I needed you, things would be different right now. And we kind of get in this idea of, uh, of God's not doing it the way that we want to. But I'm here to tell you that, that God is here right now. Okay? It's not too late. Your situation isn't too far gone. There is hope for redemption. There's hope for things to change in your situation because God, the God that we serve, is the God of the living. Amen? If you read this story closely, and you understand that, that Jesus was troubled, it says that he groaned, and it says that Jesus wept. And I don't believe that it was out of sympathy for the family. I don't believe that he groaned and mourned with the mourners that were there that day. But there was, there was something in him that was troubled, and he groaned, and he wept. He was deeply troubled because of their unbelief that he could raise them from the dead. They had seen miracle after miracle, but they were still slow to believe in the life-changing power of God. Jesus said to her, he says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And if you would just believe, if you would just believe, you would live. There would be life. So beyond the grave clothes of Lazarus, there was life. Beyond our attitudes that define you know, negativity and the glass half empty and there's no hope and I don't know what I'm going to do, there is life. Through this story, there was life the entire time. Actually, Jesus proclaimed that Lazarus would live before he even died. Life was there the whole time. And through your battle, through your situation today, there is life. Life is available for you today. I'm here to tell somebody that it's time to let yesterday go. Okay? It's time, 
we sang this song. We like that song. The past is erased. Okay? My name, he's changed. Okay? And we testify of that. It's time to let yesterday go. Circumstances have happened. Loss has taken place. Don't worry about the loss and the death that happened yesterday when there's life today. Okay, I'm trying to, trying to get us pointing in the right direction today. I believe that there's some people that need to forgive and to let God help you forget what happened yesterday. Amen? I'm going to be teaching a lesson on forgiveness coming up. I, th- I think Brother Gabe taught it today. You got to forgive. If you don't forgive your brother, God won't forgive you. Okay? It's a serious thing. Forgive. Let it go. Let yesterday be yesterday. Because today there is life. (laughs) Amen. Mary and Martha were, were so worried about the death that happened four days ago that they couldn't wrap their mind around the life that was available for them today. And this made Jesus cry. This, he was troubled because of this. He groaned because they were looking back and they were not able to look at the opportunity in front of them. Every single one of us in this place have circumstances. We have hurt, we have pain, we have shame. There's all these sorts of things. We, we have past, amen, that, we're, that we do, you know, that we do remember But God doesn't remember them. God doesn't remember it. And we need to let it go. Just let it go. We can't get so disturbed with the things that happened yesterday, yesterday, a week ago, a month ago, when there's an opportunity for life today. Amen? You don't need to live any longer unfulfilled, dissatisfied, depressed, worried, empty, and lacking. Because there's life that's available today. God wants to give you life that is full of peace and joy and fulfillment. And the main reason we, you know, we sometimes are held back from receiving this life is we're so worried about four days ago. When Lazarus died, Jesus, if you would have been there before that, we wouldn't be in this situation today. But Jesus was trying to get them. He, he, was, he was troubled by this, that they were not able to look forward at the opportunity that they ha- had ahead of them today. And we as the church, we have this opportunity ahead of us today of a life, a new life. The Bible declares that we should choose life. Amen. That that we and our family would be saved, that we would live. Amen. So we go back to this scripture in the beginning, John 20. 
In verse 6 it says, Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. So we have the account of the empty tomb of of Jesus and Jesus' grave clothes and, and the napkin that laid there. And this account is what conquered death forever for all of mankind. And verse 7 says that the napkin was wrapped together in a place by itself. And some say that what this means is that it was folded. The napkin was folded. And it was a custom that they had back then that after they got done eating a meal, that they would either wad the napkin up, throw it on the table, or they would neatly fold the napkin and set it down. And to wad it up and to throw it on the table meant that you greatly enjoyed the hospitality and the meal, and you will be returning for more. But if you folded up the napkin and placed it on the table, it meant that you appreciated the hospitality but you wouldn't be returning. Amen? Beyond the grave clothes and the napkin. Jesus was saying, thanks for the tomb for the weekend, but I won't be returning. Amen? It's a good thing it was just a borrowed tomb because he owed no rent. It was just a temporary place And he was now going to make a way for him to dwell inside of us, that we would be the temple of the Holy Ghost. This temple will be his permanent residence. That temple in the physical was just temporary. And Jesus' mission was accomplished. He He was risen. He was the resurrection. Amen. So can can we say to ourselves today? This is where I've been, but this is where I'm going. Okay? These experiences have been learning lessons, but I'm going this way because I'm drawing closer to God. There's no need for me to dwell here anymore because there's life more abundantly waiting for me over here. Life circumstances have got me down. Adverse situations have been taking the life out of me. But can we say that there is life beyond the grave clothes today? Can we fold the napkin up? I believe the Holy Ghost is speaking directly to some people. Can we fold the napkin up? Lay it down. And say, I'm not coming back here no more. Because there's a new life to live. There's resurrection. There's life-changing power. I'm moving on. I'm advancing forward. Amen? I wonder if we could all stand in this place. This is a simple, simple message. But I think sometimes we get caught up with yesterday. 
We get caught up with four days ago. We get caught up with being treated unfairly. Life circumstances. Unforgiveness. God's saying, listen, I have a miracle right here for you right now. If you could let this go. So today, as the musicians sing and we come to the altar, I wonder if we could just talk to God. And if we've been dealing with any of these things, if we could just let it go. Just give it to God. And look forward to tomorrow. Look forward to what lays ahead, the life that is ahead of us. Amen. If you need the Holy Ghost in this place, there's life here today. If you need a refilling of the Holy Ghost, God wants to give you life today. If you need a healing in your body, if you've been struggling with things in your mind, anxiety, doubt, whatever it may be, God's here today to give you life. So please come. And I wonder if we could just take some time today and just talk to Jesus about this. And, and, and there's things that we have to let go. Let's let them go. And let's God, let God do what he wants to do in this place. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God, have your way in this place today. God, I pray that you would just touch this church. God, that we would be a church that is alive today. God, that you are the God of the living and not the dead. In the name of Jesus, God, that there be some people in this place that would leave the past behind. God, it would would seize the opportunity of life and life more abundantly in this place today. In the name of Jesus. God wants to do a miracle in your life today. He wants to give you a shift of thinking. He wants a shift in how you feel. He wants to give you a new perspective today. In Jesus' name.